Welcome to the Movie Bite Podcast. This is episode 74, a show all about movies, movie news, trailers, and sometimes TV shows. We're recording on Thursday, January 9th, 2014. I'm TJ, your host, and joining me today, as always, is lover of all things film, Chad Hopkins. Yeah. Hey, TJ. How's it going? Good. How are you, Chad? I'm chilling out, relaxing all cool. Uh, sorry, that was a Fresh Prince reference without realizing, meaning to. Uh, man, I I was sad to hear about you know the passing of uh, uh, the uncle from the Pre- Fresh Prince, but uh, I, I I have to confess I haven't watched enough to have gotten that reference. Oh, it's the theme song. Okay. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see, see what I mean. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's bad. Oh, I love that show. Yeah, that's sad news. Yeah, it was sad news, but uh, uh, we weren't planning on talking about that, but I guess we should at least mention it. Uh, James Avery, uh, I'll, I'll find the link for this and put it in the show notes, he passed away this past week, right? Was it this uh, yeah, week? Yeah, I, I believe it was a week and a half ago. Okay, actually. so it was last uh, week. Yeah, the the weekend before New Year's. Okay, uh, here it is. Uh, let's see what the date on this post is. This is January 2nd is when I posted it. There it is. Yeah. So James Avery, Uncle Phil from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air dies at the age of 68. So uh, it's very sad news. And, you know, 68 is not uh, like a short life or anything, but uh, you expect to live a little longer than that these days, I think. So, yeah, very sad news. I'll put a link to that in the show notes so that uh, people can uh, find that and read it if they would so desire to be sad. Oops. (laughs) All right. Uh, so today we're not really going to talk about any particular film, Chad. You and I are going to uh, discuss just a couple of items of news, and then we're going to talk about uh, the films that we liked, uh, our, our top lists from uh, 2013, and then we're going to dive into what we're looking forward to in the year of 2014, which, by the way, I'm really proud of myself, Chad. I yep. said 2014 right the first time in the opening when I, when I did the, the show open. Yes, I'm proud of you too, TJ. Now, now <laughs> next week I might I might slip to 2013. I've already written it a couple times and had to catch myself. Um, one of the other podcasts I listened to, uh, they had an issue with uh, the year in in their uh, actually in their link, so the link wasn't working correctly. Uh, the link to the MP3 file, so that was kind of funny. I contacted yeah. it on Twitter and they fixed it. So uh, it's 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 that time of year when we can't it remember is. how to what what year it is. Yeah, I haven't had to start writing it uh, down yet because I'm not back at school, but uh, I anticipate having that mistake plenty of times. Yeah, thankfully, the CMS for MovieByte does all the date stuff, so it's, you're probably not going to see anything uh, messed up with the date on MovieByte. But that's not because I have a great memory. It's because the CMS handles all that programming. <laughs> <laughs> that's a plus. Yes, yes, it is. Well, uh, the first thing I wanted to talk about, Chad, is uh, Dave Chen on his podcast, The Slash Filmcast, he interviewed Armand White about the Steve McQueen heckling. Uh, and and I don't know a lot about Armand White. I know that he's a uh, he's a contrarian. I know that uh, he 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 hardly ever agrees with any of the um, uh, any of your respected critics. And I don't think he's a well-respected critic or whatever. No. Um, and, uh, but I, I know very little of him. I know he's been on the slash film cast before, although I did not listen cause I wasn't interested in the movie. They were, or I had no, not interested. Sorry. It was actually, they talked about 12 years a slave and I had not seen them film yet, still haven't. And so I did not want to watch, uh, listen to that and spoil 12 years a slave. Uh, and I knew that they brought him on as like an, a contrarian opinion. And I think to some extent, I think he's self-aware in that. But right. uh, th- well, at least I thought so. And then I listened to this uh, slash filmcast. Did you listen to any of this? 
Oh, no, I haven't. But I looked at the article. I read okay. the post. He, yeah. So essentially he came on and he flatly denied the allegations that he was doing any heckling. And in fact, at one point in the podcast, he, um, he said, well, what, it, what is this heckling? What is heckling? Does people, do people even know what heckling is? And not that I'm doing it, but if I was doing it, would they know what it was? And it wouldn't be heckling. And, and, and he's just, just like so contrary about this whole thing. And there's audio clearly of somebody. Uh, saying the, the things that were purported to be said by Armand White. I don't. There, there is audio of this. I've heard the audio. I've seen it from multiple sources. And then many people who were close to the table that Armand White was at uh, say that it was uh, indeed Armand White. So uh, I, I don't know what to make of this. <clears throat> I, I, I don't know. Ar- Armand White has uh, irritated me for a long while. Uh, I have the perfect example of the way Armand White is. Um, if you look at the Rotten Tomato page for Toy Story 3, uh, which was released in 2010, there are three negative reviews. So it has a 99% re- approval rating. And Armand White's little snippet says, Toy Story 3 is so besotted with brand names and product placement that it stops Ooh. being about the innocent pleasures of imagination, the usefulness of toys, and strictly celebrates consumerism. <laughs> what? And I, I just sit in here thinking, did you watch the same film as me? Did you no. watch the first two films um, where, I mean, they're, they're toys. It's, it's not product placement. That's the movie. It's about the toys. Yeah. No, obviously. And, obviously, yeah. he did not watch the same film. Right. And so that, that's just an example of the way Armand White is. And in fact, uh, Rotten Tomatoes doesn't post his reviews anymore, I don't believe, because he was getting so much uh, backlash from the community. Yeah, that that's that's a little bit crazy, actually. Yeah, and so th- this whole situation with him uh, commenting the way he did toward Steve McQueen uh, about Twelve Years a Slave, it just seems ridiculous. And I, I sort of just pushed it to the side as no big deal because hey, it's just Armand White being him himself again, and I don't really care what he has to say. Well, I think the issue is that even though he's a, a contrarian uh, film critic, that he he was largely like. Like, this is, like, out of character for him, I think. Armand White is considered, at least by Dave Chen even said, well, it seemed a little out of character for him to be heckling, uh, you know, at the... I mean, I know he's a contrarian and everything, but it just to be heckling during an award ceremony, it just seemed a little, little odd and a little maybe out of character. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know much about the guy, but that just seemed like the opinion that was kind of put forth by Dave Chen... And yet, at the same time, you could tell that uh, he was Dave Chen in this interview was getting so frustrated with with uh, with Armand White. Um, sure. Yeah, so I'm looking up the link right now on Entertainment Weekly. Uh, let's see. The New York Film Critics Circle has apologized for the heckling of 12 Years a Slave director Steve McQueen at the group's awards banquet. When McQueen was presented the Best Director Award Monday night by Harry Belafonte. Critic Armand White allegedly jeered McQueen as an embarrassing doorman and garbage man. So, and, and I've heard the audio for this, right? So it's just right. like somebody said it, and Armand White said, "Well, I didn't hear anybody say it in this interview with Dave Chen." And and then he, and, and I, oh, I, I was going to say he mentioned this whole thing about heckling. Like, what does it even mean? Do people are people using this correctly? Do they know what it means? So I was going to help. Uh, let me help Armand White out here a little bit from the dictionary. Heckle, transitive verb, to interrupt someone, such as a speaker or performer, by shouting annoying or rude comments or questions. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yes, yeah, so th- <laughs> that is the definition of heckling as understood today, and that is what whoever in the crowd did that, and allegedly it was Armand White by people who sat around him. So 
it's just a little bit nuts. And like, if why is he denying it now when there seems to be plenty of evidence that he did it? Is he embarrassed about it? I mean, it didn't, you know, just, yeah. just say you made a mistake. I mean, wow. I don't know. It's just nuts. So I, I take it you're not a fan of Armand White. Uh, no, not typically. <laughs> I remember uh, this was before I got into writing reviews. But it, uh, Toy Story 3 was my senior year of high school or right after my senior year of high school. And I loved that film and everybody was hoping for the hundred percent rating. And then all of a sudden those hopes were bashed by Armand White. And, uh, <laughs> so I've sort of held a grudge since then and followed what he's done. And, you know, even Roger Ebert has, uh, or did, uh, criticize his writing. Yeah. He, just, he called him, a, he called him a troll. He said he was a smart one, but he was a troll. I, I, I agree from what I've learned since, since this really came up and started digging a little bit. It's like, wow, this guy really is a troll. And here's the thing, like, I want to like movies. I don't want to dislike them. It seems like his main goal in life is to be critical of movies. Is, is that yeah. is that an accurate assessment? It sounds right. I think often he's uh, contrary to the popular opinion simply to be contrary. Because exactly. I think I think he's I think he praised Transformers too. What? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so it's not just him saying he hates films that everybody else likes. He's liking films that everybody else hates. The, 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 who could actually like? Transformers to any any Transformers, frankly, but that's what Roger Ebert said. <laughs> oh, jeez, I I just wow, yeah. So I'm writing him off. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's that, probably the right way to go. Well, and and who who in the world didn't like uh, uh, Toy Story three? I mean, like even people who tend to not like sequels at all were like, well, Toy Story three is really great, right? Yeah, so that's just that's crazy. Ugh, okay, well we should move on. We should move on. Okay. Movies turning 30 in 2014. Uh, this made me feel kind of old, Chad. And, and we've established <laughs> that I'm the old man, the grumpy old man with the cane around here. And you're, you're the young spry dude that's still in college. <laughs> um, so, but, but uh, Jessica Catcher uh, over at Mashable wrote uh, a little piece on the, uh, the s- several movies that are turning 30 in 2014. And, and a couple of them kind of caught my interest just because I know either I know of them or I identify them with my childhood and it's like, wow, I, I'm 32 years, I'm turning 32 in a few days. And that's just weird to me. And then right. the, the, this whole movie thing comes up, right? It's like, wow. Okay, so like Karate Kid is turning 30 this year. The Never Ending Story is turning 30 this year. <laughs> Ghostbusters is turning 30 this year. Gremlins, The Muppets Take Manhattan, uh, The Terminator, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, and Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Those are the ones that really caught my interest. But there's there's certainly more in the article that I've linked up. Yeah, just looking through, uh, Amadeus pops up in my mind. I, uh, have you ever seen Amadeus? I haven't. I, I want to. My wife really likes it, and uh, so I'm, I'm aware of it. But it wasn't yeah, like it, it was. It didn't trigger a childhood thing for me. Oh yeah, it, it probably shouldn't have. So yeah. <laughs> that's a good thing. Yeah, all the all the movies that I just mentioned, in some way, I, I identified as you know, oh, those movies were young when I was a child. Right. <laughs> you know, like Karate Kid. You know. Um, so the, you know, I was only a couple of years old when the Karate Kid came out, but somehow they were incorporated into my childhood as I as I grew. And you know, my dad really liked them, and they weren't as, the movies are not as great as I remember, <laughs> but because I've gone back and watched <laughs> them since. But you know, I identified them as part of my childhood, so it was just a little weird to see these movies turning thirty, and then you go, oh well, yeah, I'm over thirty, so that makes sense. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's interesting seeing how some of these have aged. Um, there's lots of classics on this list. Yeah, what what were some of the other? Let me let me load up this link. Uh, 
um, The Natural with uh, Robert Redford, the baseball movie, which is supposed to be one of the best sports films ever. Admittedly, I haven't seen it, um, but it's on my radar and I'd like to. Um, and of course, the ones you've mentioned, Footloose. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. The Spinal Tap, of course, you hear a lot about, but I, I, I didn't like. I don't identify that with my childhood, so I didn't mention it in the when I right. did like a bulleted list. But you know, you hear a lot about it now and turn right. it up to eleven or whatever. <laughs> uh-huh. They have a uh, Romancing the Stone at number ten, and that's a Robert Zemeckis movie, the guy who directed Back to the Future. Okay, well, that makes me somewhat interested. Although uh, some of his l- later films, I haven't been so interested in, but. Uh, the, uh, here's the thing. Like, I remember watching Muppets when I was a kid, but I don't. I I don't know if I ever saw the Muppet movies or not. And so I'd like to go back and watch those. I don't know if I'll get a chance to do that before the new one comes out. And I don't know how necessary that would be to the. If there's any continuity of any kind, I mean, the Muppets is kind of you know not really like this big coherent thing. I don't think, right? Right. I mean, the Muppets are very tongue in cheek and sure. uh, self referential. I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there will definitely be references to the older films, and if you want those few extra laughs, it'd probably be smart to watch the older films, but it's not necessary. Okay. Uh, the Terminator was also on here. It's turning thirty. Uh, I'm I'm aware of it. I've never seen it. I'm going to see it soon. Uh, there's a lot of movies on my list this year. It's like, okay, this year is the year I get caught up. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, oh, The Last Starfighter, such a horrible movie. Didn't mention that one because I didn't see it until later. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't we dive in here and uh, we can talk about, both of us have made lists. You made a top 10. I tried to make a top 10, Chad, and I failed miserably. And I made it. Which, which I completely respect. You've got a, <laughs> a good list here. So I, so I made a top 20. Um, but why don't, you know, I actually did a podcast, uh, I did the rap and I just talked briefly about these movies. So why don't we talk about your list first, your top 10. Okay. Tell us, tell us the motivations behind this, Chad. Give us a, give us a peek inside your head. What were you (laughs) really thinking? Tell tell us how these movies made you feel. Okay. We'll do. Uh, (laughs) uh, so, uh, I'll preface by saying I still haven't seen several films that are 2013 films, American Hustle, her Inside You and Davis, uh, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, and uh, The Wolf of Wall Street, but I don't think I'll end up seeing that. Um, no, and I know I won't, so. Right. So um, those are all on my radar as well, and hopefully I'll be catching them in the next couple of weeks uh, and it's, updating my list. It's really hard to see all the movies you want to see, especially it felt like they're cramming them in there at the end. Like, get it these is, into yeah. 2013, and you're like, wait, wait, this is vacation season. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> right. They they just all sort of flooded us. Uh, oversaturation for sure. But uh, hopefully that turns out to be a good thing once I catch up. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right. Well, what's the first movie on your – oh, actually, you have an honorable mention here. I do have an honorable mention mainly because I did a top 10 and then realized I left one out and added it in and didn't want to take the other one off because I would already written the entry. And you, <laughs> and, and you like the nice round number of 10, so you couldn't make it your top 11. Correct. <laughs> Although, like, like search keywords, man, you'd be the only one with the top eleven list, and, and <laughs> yeah, that, that would be a smart uh, marketing decision, I guess. <laughs> uh, maybe, yeah, marketing. I, I guess nobody's really searching for top eleven, but 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 marketing wise, you could, you could market, you know, you could market that like crazy. <laughs> okay, well, uh, my honorable mention is Thor: The Dark World. Um, it was. I mean, it was a great film. It was a lot better than the first one was. It was an improvement in pretty much every way that I could think of. Um, Chris Hemsworth is awesome as Thor. Again, he's still the perfect casting choice and Tom Hiddleston's just as fun as always with Loki. Of course. And, uh, I mean the whole, the whole film is pretty fun. Um, it's funny. It's got some good action in it. Um, there's even a couple sweet brother, brother moments that we didn't get before when Loki was the bad guy. Um, 
So it, it was a fun romp back into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, this time with Thor. And uh, so that's my honorable mention. Okay. And um, before I continue any further, I just figured I'd mention um, that these are based on more of my enjoyment of the film rather than on my rating of the film. So I don't start, I didn't start at fives and go down. I started that. That's sort of how I started compiling the list, but I moved stuff out of order. Uh, yeah. And I'll get to how I compiled mine in a, in a little bit, but, but it, it will t- kind of tie into the fact that this year I tried to be more consistent with that. So we'll, we'll get to I, that. Okay. So I will just list my top 10 and then I maybe talk a cup about a couple of them. So number 10, I have uh, Disney animations frozen, which was an excellent musical. And I still want to see that. I just don't know if I'm going to get to, um, I, I was deathly ill. I'm, I'm going to get a lot of mileage out of this. Right. I was deathly ill on my deathbed when this, when this, <laughs> I was supposed to see this and I just never got a chance to catch up. Well, you know, TJ, it's still doing exceptionally at the box office. It took the top spot again this past weekend. So it's still just as good a time as ever to go catch it. Yeah, I'll try to, although I'm, I'm going to see saving Mr. Banks first, but which is also excellent, as you will find out. Good. Uh, so number nine, I have 12 Years a Slave. Um, I have Ender's Game at eight, The Book Thief at seven, Captain Phillips at six, Saving Mr. Banks at five, Oblivion at four, The Hunger Games Catching Fire at three, Gravity at two, and my number one film of 2013 was we, Way, Way Back. I was going to say, I think we already all know this one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I can really truly explain what about that movie I really love. Um, the chemistry between I mean, all the actors is great. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I've, I've already seen it, what, five, six times since I first saw it. So, uh, I mean, it, it's definitely got staying power in my book. And uh, it it was by far my top film. I I couldn't think of another choice. Um, I I never got a chance to see Twelve Years a Slave. I'd like for you to tell us at least a little bit about this. We talked about seeing it and watching and talking about it on on the Movie Byte podcast, and and you thought that it might be not the best film to try to talk about. But but can you yeah. tell us just a little bit about it? Okay, um, it's a it's a heavy film. It's it's a true film. It's a biographical about a man named Solomon Northup who lived in the 1800s. He was a free man who lived in the Washington DC area, I believe. And he was kidnapped and sold into slavery in Louisiana. And, uh, I'm going to butcher this guy's name, but Chiwetel Ejiofor, uh, plays, uh, Solomon Northup and he will, he's a very strong contender for best actor at the Academy Awards. He gives a very powerful performance here. Nothing is watered down in this film. There's very brutal beatings. There's some strong language. There's, it, it's just an intense film all the way throughout. And mm. so it, it was a little bit heavy, I think for movie Bite, just based on our usual fare that we talk about. Um, but it, 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 for the record, I gave it a five star rating. It, it's, okay. it's a very, very well-made film. It's very worth seeing if you can stomach it. Um, I just placed a little bit lower in my list Hello. because as far as enjoyment goes, it's not good, a fun film to watch. Um, but it is a, it's a masterpiece of a film is a good way to put it. I mean, it's, it's every bit as uh, technically well-made as gravity is uh, just on a different level. It's, sure. it's a, more of a, I wouldn't say more of a dramatic because gravity is very dramatic in its own respect too. But this is just on a sort of opposite side of the spectrum where, um, there's powerful performances across the board, especially from Chiwetel Ejiofor. Um, and I would not be at all surprised to see him walk away with the Academy Award. 
Yeah, and and it's I I do want to go back and see it. It it did feel like that sort of movie that you know it's it's like a necessary thing in the culture. It's necessary to remember these sorts of things and what happened, and it's necessary to address slavery. But it feel it felt like it was going to be a really heavy movie, as as you say. Like I don't know how much fun I would have seeing it. You know. Yeah, I mean it's it's an emotional roller coaster watching it because I mean I. It's since it's based on a true story. I, I'll just say it. It does end on a somewhat happy note. Um, it's not just like it hits you at the beginning and then piles you, in, uh, hammers you into the ground throughout the rest of the film. Mm. It does that for a little bit, but then there at the end, somebody's there to pick you up, and it's that kind of film. Um, but it's 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 rough. It, but it's a very important narrative of that time period, I think. And yeah, it, and like you said, it is necessary viewing. It's 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 hard to believe that people were once treated like this in our country and it's uh, kind of emotionally distressing to think about. Um, but it doesn't shy away from that at all and embraces what it is and what it's set out to do. Yeah. And, and it's kind of like, I mean, I, I don't want to compare us as well. I mean, I guess they were both pretty, pretty bad in their own way, but it's kind of like when I watched downfall about world war two and about Hitler and, and it's like, I liked it, but yet I'm never going to watch it again ever. Right. You know, even though it's such a well-made film and I feel, I feel like this may be the same way. Like I'll watch it once because it needs to be watched, but yes. I don't want to ever see it again. Probably I would guess. Yeah. It, it reminds me in a certain sense of, uh, Amour, uh, the French film from 2012, that one best foreign picture. Um, it was also a very, very well-made film, but I did not enjoy watching it at all. It was probably the most depressing film I've ever seen in my mm. life. And so, where it was at five star quality, my enjoyment of it overall was pretty minimal. So I think I gave it a two and a half for three stars out of five, just because it 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 dra- drains you. It's it's hard to watch. And um, whereas Twelve Years a Slave is like that, like I said, it does have a little bit of a pick me up. It does have one or two lighter moments that are uh, that might bring a smile to your face or make you chuckle. And uh, so that's why it gets five stars, and that's why it did make it into my top ten. Did you did you ever see Django Unchained by any chance? I did. Yeah, I, it, it's such a. I mean, and I'm not comparing these movies. I'm really just only in that they're so different, even though they're addressing similar topics. Where one is kind of a, a western and you, you know cowboy have fun, you know revenge movie, and and that's the sort of movie I probably will watch it again, even right. though it, it's not as meaty as this probably is. So it's kind of like. Well, I mean, maybe I should, re- you know, maybe I shouldn't be more drawn to Django, but, you know. Right. <laughs> and I would probably rate this one much higher than Django Unchained. Like, I think I gave Django Unchained three and a half stars. That, that was way back in the old days when I was still a young kid and I did the show with Joe. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, now you said you gave 12 Years a Slave five stars. Are, are all these films, are, are these films in order of your star rating or in order? Or, oh, no, you said they were in order of your enjoyment. Right. This is more of an enjoyment list than a rating list. So my rating does certainly factor in. Um, I think I have the way, way back at four and a half and then I have gravity at number two with a five star rating. And then from there I have four and a half, five, uh, I gave a five to oblivion because crazy. I know, but I have my reasons, and I could talk about it if you'd like, uh, since you have it on your list, but sure, we can go, save that. Yeah, go ahead and, and – t- I mean, because I like it. I just don't – I wouldn't give it five stars. Why would you give it five stars? This is Oblivion, by the way. Joseph Kaczynski's um, Oblivion. Yes. This is – Okay, when I saw this film, Tom Cruise was still relatively new to me. Um, I actually had a sort of self-imposed boycott 
on Tom Cruise's film for well, well, no no particular reason, really. Um, maybe it was the Scientology that sort of scared me away. Oh, but, sure. Uh, He's nuts as a person. Right. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> I finally saw Ghost Protocol. That was the first Tom Cruise film I'd ever seen. Uh, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. And that's and not even it. his best Mission Impossible film. Right. I, I have the other three. Um, but that was the first one I saw. And so I thought, you know, maybe he's worth checking out. And so Oblivion was one of those first few Tom Cruise films I'd ever seen. And I thought that aside from his performance, which is great, and Andrea Riseborough as his partner, uh, Victoria, is also great. But I thought that the questions and the themes brought up in the film were very important. And for some reason, they really resonated with me. And I'm mm-hmm. talking about the themes of uh, questioning authority and the thirst of knowledge versus the fear of knowledge. And uh, themes like that, they, they just really resonated with me. And I walked out of the theater loving it. And I went back and I saw it again. And I, I own the special Steelbook edition on Blu-ray. And Nice. I don't know. It, nice. It's yeah, it's it's very cool and it's it's a good film to look at and it's a good film for action. It's good film for some good Tom Cruise drama. I mean, it's not Tom Cruise drama on the same level as a few good men. But no, um, no for sure. No, but it, it is still pretty top notch, I think. And uh the music's great and uh Joseph Kaczynski, this is his second directorial effort after Tron Legacy and uh yeah, I enjoyed that film a lot too. I, um, I want to so. see more from Kaczynski for sure right. cuz those two are awesome. I agree. And so, I mean, that's sort of my thoughts on Oblivion. It was just a combination of all the things, especially the themes and the questions that just resonated with me and brought my enjoyment up that much more. Have you seen Minority Report? I haven't. No, I haven't. Okay. If you, this is, this is, this is a required watching for you to continue uh, in in any capacity (laughs) with, with movie bite. I just, um, Okay, that's no. about the twentieth film on the list. TJ. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I really. I mean, this is probably where I started realizing, hey, Tom Cruise, there's a little something here. I know he he tends to be considered uh, pigeonholed into his roles or whatever, but you know right. what? I don't care if 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 he's a you know pigeonholed into these roles, he's really good at them at this sort of right. role. And and uh, I really like Minority Report is probably in my mind. I don't know if it is in everybody else's mind or in culture, but in my mind, it's the signature Tom Cruise film. Okay, um, to, to that's me, it's a Steven Spielberg film, isn't it? Ah, that's a really good question. Uh, my, I believe it is. I think John Williams wrote the score. Minority Report, IMDb. Uh, yes, it is Steven Spielberg. No wonder I like it okay. so much. It's based on, of course, a short story by Philip K. Dick. What what good sci-fi film is not these days? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a few, but but uh, yeah. So um, let me uh, throw this link uh, to the IMDb page in the show notes. Um, there we go. So I'll remember to put them in the CMS. So yes, Minority Report was directed by Steven Spielberg, and of course, obviously, uh, I'm I'm looking now to, to verify. But if it was uh, directed by Steven Spielberg, then the music is of course going to be done by John Williams. Yes, Correct. music by and John that, Williams. And that's how I knew it was a Steven Spielberg film because I have uh, the theme to M- Minority Report on my uh, iTunes, I believe. All right. Well, you you've got to get this movie watched. Okay, it is on my list. And saving Mr. Banks made it onto your list. And I, I'm quite sure it would have made it onto mine if I'd seen it. So I'm I'm, I'm yes. a little bit sad. Uh, so those are your top ten. And any others you want to ma- pay any special attention to? Um, I'm looking through. No, I think uh, I, I've everybody's heard my say on most of these. I think I think I've talked about pretty much all of these on Movie Bite with you. Um, uh, yeah, I mean that's my list. It's on my site. Um, <clears throat> if you want to give it a look. Yep, that'll um, be in the show notes. I, 
where I expand a little bit on why they are included, and it's, you can also get links to all the original reviews. All right, well, let's talk about my top 20. Sorry, I'm, you know, I've got the bigger list than yours. Right. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so, so kind of how I compiled this list. And this year I made a really concerted effort because I noticed last year, and last year was really my first time. I mean, I mean I've been in, into movies for several years now, and that's why I right. started Movie Byte. But I noticed last year, even though I only did Movie Byte for a few months, uh, when, when did we start Movie Byte? Maybe July, I think. July, I think. Yeah, and uh, so really less than half a year. But I noticed at the end of the year that my ratings were a little bit off from my enjoyment. And I really feel like that needs to really highly factor in. Ratings are a very personal thing right. uh, you know and i know people are like well you know you rate this movie so much higher one like for instance and i'm trying to get him as a guest on the podcast again soon but for instance when dan benjamin was on the podcast he was like uh just how can you rate star trek uh the wrath of khan five stars and yet not rate such and such a really heavy and and and, and meaty movie this high well because ratings are very, to me, a very personal thing. When I rate something five stars, it's because I love that film. I love it. And so, um, so kind of how I compiled this list is I, uh, I've been trying really hard to keep a log of the films that I've watched. I haven't been completely successful, but to keep a log of the films that I've watched on, on uh, letterboxd.com, uh, uh, my personal film log and, and the ratings. And I went through, and started listing. Oh, well, that one is above three and a half stars. That one's above three and a half stars. And, and, and sometimes I would I would put on my list a film that maybe was a little less than I enjoyed. And it wound it wound up as I went through and started paring down my list that those did eventually get scrubbed. There's nothing below three and a half stars. Uh, and and I think I did a pretty good job this year of saying, okay, this this movie I enjoyed this much, and it was a good film. This is how much I should rate it. Right. Uh, out of curiosity, do you know how many films you saw this year total? Uh, no idea. New films. No idea. Okay, uh, I mentioned in my post I saw forty new films if I totaled everything correctly, which I think is a new record for me. Well, there are um, excuse me, there are fifty two weeks in the year, and I know not every one of those that we did a new new film for Movie Bite. So I would say in that neighborhood. Yeah, um, I, I keep a film journal where I scribble brief thoughts uh, that I base my reviews off of after I see a film. Um, and so I counted through that and, uh, 40 films if I totaled it correctly. So yeah, it was I'm, a good year. I'm not a big fan of new year's resolutions, but this year, if there is a new year's resolution, what it would be that I'm going to start doing something like that with letterbox, which is essentially I'm using it as a film journaling service, although I'm not actually writing any notes, but I'm going to start, try to, as soon as the movie's over, pull it up on my phone and uh, and and give it my star rating, which I may change later because I like to let it soak in. But just my initial Same star here. rating, and jot a few notes in the field. This is the thing that I thought about this movie because I want there to be a more comprehensive listing for for me to go back to. Right, so, that's what I, uh, I I take my review uh, review film journal with me to the theater, and I keep it in my car. And so as soon as I get back out to my car, I usually sit down and write down my thoughts, and then I go home or whatever and then i'll wait a day or two or a couple months if uh, i posted my review to captain phillips today uh, wow you are time. behind yeah although <laughs> I, I have several reviews i meant to crank out and didn't so i can't complain right and well that that was the film that i added to my top 10 because i realized i hadn't reviewed it and so okay um, but anyway that's what i do Okay, so that's kind of how I compiled my list as I went through and just started writing down films that i really enjoyed looking back through the log of films that i had watched and uh, then I started ordering them 
in uh, order of, of star rating and enjoyment. And then I started compiling them and started trying to pare them down and, and definitely scrubbed quite a few off the list going, no, these just don't, these just don't measure up to a top 10 list. And so then I, I wrote the list down, you know, then I had 20 films. Uh, and I, it, the last two to come off that list were really hard decisions. I don't remember what they were now, but I remember making really hard decisions of pulling which ones to pull out of the list. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so I get done and I have 20 and I, and my article title was my top 10 of 2013. <laughs> and so I wrote top 10 lists are hard. I started this article with the intent of making a top 10 list. I failed. Every single film <laughs> on this list deserves to be in my top 10, but there are 20. What to do? So that was kind of how I started that article. Yeah. Um, so let's let's dive in and explore this list a little bit. <clears throat> okay. Number 20 is, and this is in order of enjoyment and star rating, number 20 is The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug. Now, anybody who's heard me talk about The Hobbit, e- either, either movie, either of the two movies that have been released, are probably surprised that this makes my list. And I tend to be a little harder on it than maybe is necessary because so many people love it so much, and I'm like, why? <laughs> and yet it does deserve it, it it is a good film and it does deserve to be in a top 10 list um it, it, you know so and or as i scratched out t- top 10 and put top 20 list <laughs> right i included the first hobbit film in my top 10 last year but i saw far fewer films and um so that justifies that a little bit cuz looking back i don't know if it really deserves a spot in the top 10 okay. but uh anyway <clears throat> So yeah, top 10, uh, or number 20, The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smog, three and a half stars. Number 19, Ender's Game, three and a half stars. The film wasn't, you know, as, and we've talked about all these, so I'll be brief, but the film wasn't a slam dunk, uh, but, but I did enjoy it a lot. It was fun to see the things that I had conceived of in my head when watching, when reading the book and seeing those on screen that, you know, that's, that's always a fun thing for me. So right. Ender's Game, number 19, number 18, World War Z, three and a half stars, a lot better film than I expected it to be. It was a lot better film than it had any right to be. Uh, <laughs> and it certainly, you could tell where they they uh, went and rewrote the end. You could see the splice. You could almost right. see, like, literally there was a splice in, in, in the film. You know? <laughs> but it worked pretty good. It worked pretty well. And I hope with this, new, this direction they've established with that ending that the next film will be good. And, you know, I really enjoyed it much more than I expected to. So number 18, World War Z. Number 17, and this is where every single critic on the planet except for possibly Armand White uh, will disagree (laughs) with me, is Gangster Squad, which I gave three and a half stars. Uh, My wife would probably give it four and a half stars. She loved this film so much, and and I really did enjoy it. I thought it had a few couple of missteps, a couple of missed opportunities uh, and, and it's certainly not anything like, you know, it's, I wouldn't call it the Goodfellas of our era. No. But, uh, have you seen Goodfellas? Uh, no, but I have seen Gangster Squad. Mm, okay. Uh, you need to see, put, the, put Goodfellas on your list. Very good okay. film. Um, uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, it's not that, but it's, it's, it's good. It's, it's not, it's not terrible. Right. Uh, I think. Gangster Squad, I originally walked out of the theater and I think I gave it four and a half stars for some reason. Yeah, I gave it four and a half. No, four stars. I gave it four stars. And um, I think after I mulled over it for a couple of days, I thought it soured a little bit. And so mm. I, I, I lowered my rating by a full star and I gave it a three out of five, which is still I would I would recommend it a little bit. I didn't hate it. Um, yeah. But I, I think, like you said, it did have its missteps and um, it was a little here. Let me see what I. I added a little note to my review when I changed it. 
I said, I've lowered my original rating by a star. Enjoyable, but not fantastic. Suffers from poor storytelling. Stelling, storytelling, sorry. Black character development. Uh, so there was some awful dialogue. And um, there were a couple of bad cinematography scenes. Um, but I think that Gosling was very great. And uh, Brawlin were, uh, Josh Brawlin was also great in well, this film. And don't forget Emma Stone. Yes. You know, she's. Uh, in fact, I, I remember thinking she was underutilized, which was part of my problem with the film like why wasn't she given more to do uh but she was really great in the parts that she had to do uh and i would agree with you in terms of the villains like that my issue with the film was mostly the characterization of the villains or the villain uh just you know he was just evil just because he was evil and and that's mm, never a great way to tell a story so in that i would agree with you i felt like the characterization of the good guys and the storytelling of that was was far better so, right. I liked the sort of team aspect that they had. Yes, absolutely. For sure. Number 16 was Oz the Great and Powerful, which I gave three and a half stars. This was just a really fun film and, and way better than that. The 1930s, I want to say, uh, uh, Judy Garland, Wizard of Oz. Please don't. 1939. Cruci- please don't crucify me. Um, <laughs> I know that's like a beloved classic. I really can't stand it. It's just awful. Um, and, and, and Oz the Great and Powerful, you know, it had its issues. It's not a perfect film, um, but I, you know, it's just really fun. I really enjoyed it. I, I like Sam Raimi's stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and this is another one that he did. This is, it, it's a really, it's visual, it's really visually striking. I mean, it had just great, uh, you know, there were, I would say there was maybe a couple of places where you go, eh, a little bit overdoing it on the CG there, but for the most part, I was right. like, wow, that's a really great, just really beautiful yeah, I really enjoyed this film too. I gave it four stars. Okay. Uh, I never got around to reviewing it, um, but I do have it in my little journal. And uh, I think my main problem with it was the romance or the uh, the romance, the romantic aspects of the film. Um, I don't want to spoil too much of that, but it just seemed a little awkward. Yeah, I want to say with uh, Mila Kunis's uh, character uh, and and where she, where they go with her, I wasn't completely satisfied with that. Like, because they made her such a likable and lovable character, you wanted to see some sort of redemption or something, and yet that's completely not possible with where the story has to go. Right. I think that was a misstep. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, all right. Uh, number fifteen, Prisoners, uh, which I gave. Now we're into, now we're into the four star films. Um, minor flaws, uh, slightly unsatisfying ending, uh, but just. Great cinematography, uh, great, you know, good drama, well told, uh, and, and certainly explores some some questions that are going to make you uneasy, which which is a good thing, I think. Um, uh-huh. I, I was very uneasy at some of the aspects of this film and some of the things that Hugh Jackman did and how far he went. And even though, yes, it's his daughters and how far would you go for your daughters? I mean, I have uh, two beautiful little girls and I would do anything to keep what happened. You know, I would, if they were kidnapped, I would do anything to get them back, you know? So right. I understand that, but yet this, this still made me really uncomfortable and, and right. in a good way. And, and so, um, Eric and Michael Rauch, uh, they do the, uh, movieology podcast, uh, here on moviebite.com. They didn't agree with me at all on this and that's okay. Uh, you can listen to their uh, podcast for an alternate take on this, but I, I really think that this film is a good film. I agree with you, TJ. Um, I think that it's a fascinating character study and the fact that, uh, Hugh Jackman character, Hugh Jackman's character is a Christian and, uh, we're both Christians and it's, it's watching him make these decisions that aren't necessarily the Christian way to do things, but it's putting his family on the line. It's putting his family before 
everything else. And it's a really fascinating perspective. I mean, how far would we go? Uh, right. And, and, and the movie is certainly not saying that everything that he right. did was the right thing. In fact, I would say that the message is really, well, maybe not. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So it, it's an interesting look as far as that goes. Number 14, another Hugh Jackman film, The Wolverine, which I also gave four stars. Um, I really went into this film not knowing how it would work out. I mean, you had the first two X-Men films, which I love to rave about and how good they are. And Brian Singer is the director of those and just wonderful films. And and then, you know, the third film kind of wrecked the whole thing. And so what do you do with a wrecked franchise? Well, they went back and did some prequels, uh, a couple of which were, <laughs> were awful. Uh, well, <laughs> one of which at least did not live up to expectations, which was the first Wolverine film uh, before this one. And then, you know, X-Men First Class did pretty good. And then they now this is the first film in the franchise to come after X-Men 3 in the timeline and try to make something of it. And I think this film actually used X-Men 3 to its advantage uh, in just in in where it left the character of Logan, the things that he had gone through in, in X-Men 3, the loss that he had suffered. Um, and, and it really turned those into assets, which is a sign to me of really good filmmaking when you can take a bad situation and the bad elements and make them work in your favor. Uh, and, and I was really, really happy with this film. I, I mean, really, the only thing that brought it down from four and a half stars uh, was the kind of the ending of the film, the, the climax yeah. that, that really was unsatisfying. It didn't it didn't make the film unwatchable, but it was just like you, you guys, you could have done better here. Right. So that that's why it didn't get up to the four and a half stars. All right, number 13, Red 2, uh, also four stars. Um, I really enjoyed the first Red, and this this was a surprisingly not a repeat of Red, but it, it was its own thing. It, it went into its own territories, and uh, it was better for it, and it's just as good a film, I think, as Red was. And uh, I, I really just love the, the, the primary conceit of the, of the Red uh, films, uh, you know, these, these old, uh, wise... Uh, um, uh, guys, you know, the spies and stuff doing their thing. And it, it just really works for me. And, uh, it's, it's probably the one role this year that I felt like Bruce Willis didn't really just phone it in everything right. else he's been in this year. It's been like, nah, I don't really want to be here. Uh, this <laughs> one, it felt like he was having fun and, and, and the movie was better off for it. Um, really like, uh, I like all the characters, uh, you know, Mary Louise Parker, uh, Anthony Hopkins was great. Uh, John Malkovich, uh, um, what's the, what's the girl's name? Helen uh, Mirren. Helen Mirren. Thank you. Um, oh, and of course there's, uh, Catherine, the girl, Zeta, Catherine Jones. Zeta Jones from Zorro, of course. So, uh, yeah, I mean, really, really good film. Really enjoyed it. Uh, so four stars, number 13 on the list. Uh, I think you enjoyed it as well. Did you know? I did. Uh, I did. Uh, and I think that image of, uh, Helen Mirren with both arms, uh, an arm out each window with a gun in her hand, <laughs> uh, as a car spinning down the street. Uh, I think that's like the perfect reason to go see this film. If yes. you want to see that happen, For I sure. mean, that I think that's worth ticket price. <laughs> you, you bet. You bet. All right. Well, we got to keep, we got to keep this moving along. So number 12 Pacific Rim, four stars. Um, this is a film that again surprised me. I I thought this was going to be purely a monster movie just from the previews, and and, and I think the studios were certainly marketing it as a, a big monster movie. You know, go big or go home, and the big rock 'em, sock 'em, crush 'em, crunch 'em. You know, these these things are are humongous, and you know, bigger than you know nine city blocks or whatever. And, and we got to defend Earth from them, and it's just like, I don't care. You know, 
<laughs> but and, and I just barely drug myself to the theater, and it turns out there was a story here. I, you know, I was really shocked, <laughs> and so yeah, was really surprised uh, at how good this film was. Yes, there are big giant aliens and big giant robots, and yes, there's a little bit of the you know the the uh, you know ten year old boy glee of of smashing <laughs> them together or whatever, and just you know, but but for the most part, it was just a good story. So really, really happy, really surprised, and, and I give it four stars. Yeah, this is one of the two films on your list that I didn't see. Oh, you didn't see it? No, I never got around to it. I, I went on a vacation around <sighs> the time it uh, came out, and then I just never got the chance. Okay, well, I'll forgive you. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to forgive you. <laughs> I'll, I'll catch it on Netflix or something sometime. Yeah, good luck doing that. I'm finding more and more that Netflix does not have anything I want to watch in terms of movies. It's still good for TV shows, but but movies just I'm, they're just not the studios are just being so stingy with Netflix. I don't blame yeah. Netflix. It's it's the content negotiations that are falling apart. Right. Anyway, uh number 11, Star Trek Into Darkness. I give this one 4 stars. Um I really, you know, the first Star Trek film, I think I give like I can't remember if it's 3 or 3 and a half stars. I'd have to look at my official list, but it's it I had issues with it and I, I I don't know how to describe it. I don't have time to describe it here. Let's just say that I, (laughs) I I didn't think I I don't like the concept of what JJ did to reboot the universe. I, I I don't like some of the choices that he made. Um, that, that being said, I went into this film. Maybe my expectations were a little lower because of that first film. I, but I really enjoyed this film. It's not the best Star Trek film that's ever been made. That honor still goes to the wrath of Khan. I'm, I'm still waiting for the film that cannot topple that one. Um, <laughs> but it's a really good film, and, and it involves characters from Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, which is interesting, but, you know, completely different story. Um, some of it, yes, it's some of the story is just slightly nonsensical, um, but, I, you know, it was just a lot of fun. Um, it was a much tighter and better story than the first film, and, uh, yeah, I was really happy with it. I, like I said, four stars. Um, I, I wished it was a four-and-a-half-star film, but it was just four um, so, and I was happy with it and I'm hoping, especially now that Star Trek, uh, 13, I will not call it Star Trek three because it will be the 13th Star Trek film to come out. <laughs> um, you know, we're going to see a new director. Uh, we're going to see new writers. We're going to get some fresh blood and yet they get to play in this new sandbox that JJ's created and JJ will be back to, uh, produce the film. So I'll be happy to see what they, where they go with this. There, there's limitless potential here, even though I don't like the concept that JJ did, it's done now and there is a lot of potential. So let, let's see what we can do with it. <clears throat> yeah i mean um these the jj abrams star trek films admittedly are my only real experience with star trek uh which i will amend at some point in time but i just haven't gotten around to it and i thought that this one was a lot more fun than the first one it, it was i mean it was cool and i mean benedict cumberbatch is always a great person to watch on screen the thing you have to remember about star trek chad is that there are some great movies in the Star Trek universe, and I can I can tell you which ones those are at some point. But Star Trek is primarily uh, – it was born in the TV medium, and that's right. where it does the best, um, I think. So there's some good movies, but make sure you don't judge it just by the movies. Right. I, I've seen a couple episodes of the original series, and that's where I want to start off. And then, of, of course, get into the next generation. Yeah. In, it's necessary to watch the original series in some ways. Uh, maybe not every episode, but um, <laughs> the next generation is where it's at, especially the like after season two. <laughs> right. 
In fact, I don't even know. I want you to watch seasons one and two of The Next Generation. <laughs> Those are pretty pretty terrible. There was I would say that season. Oh man, I'm getting on a sidetrack here. I would say seasons one and two are terrible with occasional punctuations of of good. Right. Um, anyway, moving on. Number ten, <laughs> Iron Man three, four stars. Uh, this did not catch me by surprise. I expected it to be good, and it was just about exactly what I expected. Uh, except there was one major twist with the villain. If you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. That that yep. kind of caught me off guard. But it was that was good. Um, and in hindsight, um, uh, you, you kind of wondered why Marvel would have let a big cat like that out of the bag because you thought you knew what it was, and it turns out it was something else. So that was good. Uh, Marvel, you know, is continuing its, its trend with 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 cranking out really good superhero films, uh, completely trouncing DC as far as I'm concerned. Uh, <laughs> if, if you want to make it a competition like that, uh, I, I've become completely a Marvel guy. I do like Superman, but he's just not being done right right now. Um, uh, so, yeah, you know, Joss Whedon is kind of spearheading Marvel's phase two, and that's kind of paying off. Uh, Iron Man three was was as good, I, I would say, as Iron Man, which I also really loved. Uh, certainly an improvement on Iron Man 2. <laughs> I think that's something we can both agree on. Yes. Number nine, Jack the Giant Slayer. Four stars. Um, I know that this film did not get great reviews. I tend to like Brian Singer's work, and this is no exception. Um, you know, I, I loved his Superman films, Superman Returns. Um, I've loved his X-Men films. And, uh, you know, this this film is right up there with the best of them. I, I really loved, you know, everything about this film. There's not a lot I didn't like. Uh, I, I guess my biggest complaint, and again, this seemed to be just a little bit of a theme running through the year, was a lack of characterization of the villains. That was my mm-hmm. biggest complaint, I think, with this film. Right. Um, I, I This was the other film on your list I never saw. Uh, all right. Moving on then. Number eight, Oblivion, four stars. Um I would not rate it as highly as you did, but I really did enjoy it. Uh, and as I've, I've already basically said what I what I have to say that I want Kaczynski to direct more films. I want to see his next Tron film. You know, yeah. I, I, I would love for him to play in this universe a little more. Like, what what does a post? <laughs> what 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 happens now? Where do you go now? So right. that would be interesting too. And and I would love to see just any any new. And I think I think obviously what we want from him is sci-fi. So any new sci-fi concepts that we can get Kaczynski to do as well. I'm I'm all on board. For sure. Uh, number seven, Thor The Dark World. Uh, four stars, right up there with Iron Man 3. Just as good. Um, and definitely an improvement on uh, Thor. Uh, Thor was my least favorite film before The Avengers. It's just, yeah, just very lackluster. And uh, this film blows it away in every way. And, and you know, Loki. So, <laughs> Number six, you'll be happy with this, Chad. Uh, the Way yeah. Way Back makes it onto my list at four stars. Uh, didn't enjoy it as much as you, but liked it a lot. Uh, obviously Sam Rockwell steals the show. Um, for sure. No doubt. But Liam James is good too. Like the film would not have been possible without him. So, uh, that was good. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm starting to truncate a little bit cause I, I know I, you know, one of my new year's resolutions also, if, if there is such a thing is, is to keep the podcast <laughs> from running long. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Number five, Captain Phillips. Uh, and we've talked about some of these more recently too on the movie White podcast, but, uh, Captain Phillips, great film, four stars, uh, Paul Greengrass, you know, from, from the latter two born films uh, is back with exceptional uh, storytelling. He's still got that shaky cam style, which I don't completely appreciate, but which feels a little more warranted at times here in this film. Um, uh, you know, and you know, one of one of uh, the great performances, of course, from uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Tom Hanks. So, <laughs> um, uh, I'm sorry. I, I I just wrote my review of this film yesterday, um, and I said Tom uh, Tom Hanks gives the best performance of his life for what the fifth time now. <laughs> <laughs> He's done some really great stuff. I mean, yeah, and 
this is a real testament, and he does a pretty good job in saving Mr. Banks. It's nowhere near this quality, but uh, he, he's still going strong. Yeah, definitely. I, I think it's, it's possible. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised to find out that we still haven't seen the best performance of Tom Hanks' life. I mean, he just seems to just sure. keep right on going and, and doing really great things. So, uh, yeah, that's one of the reasons I'm really looking forward to saving Mr. Banks is because, you know, Tom Hanks is Walt Disney. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Captain Phillips, four stars, really good film. Number four, The Book Thief, uh, at four stars. Um, you know, it's based on a fictional story, but I really enjoyed kind of the look at the Germ- German life in in World War II Germany. Um, and uh, it's it's the film has a little bit of everything. It's it's completely and utterly delightful, but it's also tragic. Um, and and uh, it made me laugh. It made me cry. Um, it, it, it you know made me love some characters it made me hate others and and you know there's a wide range a wide gamut of emotions going on here that that made for a pretty satisfying film great drama yeah so uh definitely definitely uh deserving to be way up there on the list at number four number three uh we're into four and a half star territory now catching fire uh, I was completely and utterly caught off guard by how much better this was than the first uh, Hunger Games film. And I liked the first Hunger Games film. Uh, but Francis Lawrence just blew it out of the water. I, if it's a competition, he blew that Gary Ross's film out of the water. Just, you know, guns blazing. Um, and I'm really excited to see what happens uh, with the films. I mean, I've read the books, but I'm really excited for the upcoming films uh, in, in this series. So, uh, you know, definitely... An improvement in every way, even even, and I don't think we talked about this much in the, in the podcast where we talked about this. But uh, Jennifer Lawrence, uh, even her performance, even though it was good in the Hunger Games, it's it's way better here. I mean, yeah, whether, whether you can attribute that to uh, the, the direction that she had or just her growing as an actress, uh, it seems like for, uh, Jennifer Lawrence is really kind of uh, coming into her own in a lot of ways uh, this year. She's yeah. been a, a very popular subject in the film world, so. Yeah, well, she won the Academy Award for Best Actress last year, and I, I think uh, she's well on track to getting that a few more times in her lifetime. Yeah, which film did she win that? That was for um, Silver Linings. Playbook, Silver Linings Playbook, yes, which, which is I, excellent. I need to see. I need to see that film. Yes. Uh, in fact, I'm going to. I have a, a running list. Uh, no, not that application. Uh, this one. Uh, I'm going to add it right now. You can hear me typing. Silver Linings Playbook. You heard it here, folks. TJ's typing and added it to his list. All right. I'm going to <laughs> put it right there. I've actually started a list of films that I need to see in preparation for upcoming films, such as the original RoboCop, uh, 300, uh, to, so that I can watch properly uh, 300 Rise of an Empire, uh, some Muppets movies, Rio, yeah. How to Train Your Dragon, etc. All yeah. right. So that was number three on my list. We're, we're getting up. Uh, oh, and I should have prefaced. Um, there wasn't. Excuse me. There were not any five-star films on my list this year, but that's not to say we had bad films this year. It's just really, 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 really hard to make it to five stars, in my opinion. So uh, most, you know, most years are only going to ever get up to four and a half stars. All right, number two, and this is one that I think has been kind of forgotten, but it was a really, really good film that I loved this year, and that was Forty Two, the the you know the one about Jackie Robinson. Um, I wish they had named it something a little more memorable, but 42 it is. Uh, four and a half stars. I'm, I'm not a big fan of sports or sports movies. I'm not a big fan of baseball, but this was a tremendous film. I mean, it was just an awesome film. Uh, you, you know, Harrison Ford is Branch Rickey. Um, amazing. Uh, you know, and uh, I'm sorry, what's the guy that played uh, Jackie Robinson? Chadwick Boseman. Ch- Chadwick Boseman, amazing as Jackie Robinson. Um, and, and, you know, it seems to be a little bit of a theme this year, the uh, the racism and slavery stuff. 
Um, and, and so that's kind of here too. Certainly the racism aspect of this film is, is, is present and uh, really good story. Uh, really great story of, of how Jackie Robinson dealt with the racism of the, of the late forties and the early fifties and overcame it. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those kind of an underdog film. Uh, and you know, I, I completely enjoyed this film. Uh, yeah. Um, this is perhaps the one film on your list that I just do not agree with. Um, back before I joined movie Byte, uh, I listened to y'all record this episode live here, 42 episode. And, uh, I argued with you there too, but I gave this <laughs> film, uh, two out of five stars. I, whatever for, I did not like it. I thought it was too sugar sweet in some parts i didn't like harrison ford here i thought the only the only part that i liked was chadwick boseman is jackie robinson um get out of town i I mean i will stand by that i gave it two out of five stars um so (sighs) i mean i guess we have to just agree to disagree here but uh (laughs) i mean i I can send you my my review if you want to share that with the people of the world sure uh put it in the show notes uh and i'll make sure it makes it into the uh cms Okay. Uh, I'm looking up. Uh, I just I can't remember now um, what it did on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Let's see here. Oh, Rotten Tomatoes is being really slow. I hate it when it does that. I think they could afford some better servers. Seventy eight percent. You're in the minority, man. I know. You're in the minority. <laughs> well, it's okay. I mean, come on, yeah. Richard Roper liked it. Wow. I mean, yeah. I, I I stand by my decision. Okay. All right. <laughs> all right here we go best film of the year in my opinion number one film of the films that i've seen obviously it's you know you got to take that into consideration it was a very intense film it was a beautiful film it was a terrifying film it was an emotional film it was a really really good film and that is gravity surprise surprise i really really liked this film so much um me too and the thing that, I, that I'm worried about, I, I, I will probably get it whenever it comes out to home video, but I don't think it's going to be the same. It, it, it's no, a movie it you have to see in the theater. And, you know, I would kind of like to take my wife to see it in theater, but I don't know where you can do that now. It's right. pretty much gone. And, you know, I'm afraid I'm going to get it and she's going to see it when I watch it. And she's going to go, eh, I don't know why you liked it so much. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm hoping there will be a pre-Academy Awards last hurrah and they'll bring it to theaters, but we'll see. Yeah, I think they've done that in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 you could be right. I hope, I hope they do that. Um, so then I'll take her to see it then. Um, who would have thought, right, that that uh, the director of Harry Potter and the Pris- Prisoner of Azkaban would have made this film? It's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a little strange. I, I think that uh, Prisoner of Azkaban is a pretty good film. Uh, I mean, it's certainly nowhere near Gravity, but uh, I know Alfonso Cuarón, the director, has a history of making. Uh, pretty well-received films. I think he directed Children of Men back in 2005. That was re- received pretty well also. All right. Uh, whoops, I pasted that in the wrong place. Uh, get up there. All right. Um, so we're kind of uh, pushing in a little long here, but I thought we were supposed to talk about uh, both the movies of 2013 and then uh, go through the movies that we're looking forward to. So let's see if we can get through the movies that we're looking forward to, because I feel like that was supposed to be the main thrust of this podcast. <laughs> um, so let me pull up my list here and we'll just go through these real quick. And then uh, I know you have a shorter list, right? Well, I, I looked through the release page and I came up with a list of 27 films oh, wow. that okay. I want that I want to see in 2014, but I've got it narrowed down. So, okay, well, let me just run through these. I'm just going to list these off. Okay. These, these are mine that I'm looking forward to Jack Ryan, shadow recruit, uh, January 17th coming right up. 
uh, The Lego Movie, uh, February 7th, RoboCop, February 12th, Noah, March 28th, Captain America, The Winter Soldier on April 4th, Godzilla on May the 16th, X-Men Days of Future Past on May 23rd, Edge of Tomorrow, it looks like a great Tom Cruise sci-fi film, uh, June 6th, Guardians of the Galaxy, August 1st, The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1 on November 21st, The Hobbit There and Back Again on December 17th, and Night at the Museum 3, yes, go ahead and laugh and scorn, (laughs) on December the 25th. That's my uh, list of films that I'm really anticipating and looking forward to. What's on your list? My most anticipated, my top five, I have Captain America, The Winter Soldier, Muppets Most Wanted, X-Men Days of Future Past, The Hobbit There and Back Again, and How to Train Your Dragon 2. Okay. Uh, like I said, those are most anticipated, and I think all of those are sequels. Those are just – I really enjoyed the first films or the previous films, and I'm looking forward to the uh, next installment. And I also have a list of what I think are the most interesting uh, – what look to be the most interesting. And I have uh, The Grand Budapest Hotel, which is directed by Wes Anderson. Um, I don't know if you've seen a trailer for this, but uh, it, it stars Ralph Fiennes, and it looks uh, interesting. You mean Rafe Fiennes? Rafe. Oh, is it Rafe? I believe so. Oh, that's my my mistake. I I could be wrong. That's that's uh, how my wife assures me it's pronounced. I've never heard it said anywhere else. But she's a big fan, so anyway. I believe you. It looks Lord Voldemort. Looks like we'll, just, right. we'll just call him Lord yes. Voldemort. Yeah, Lord Voldemort. He he's in this film, uh, and it it looks interesting. I'm hoping it's good. I I've never seen a no. I have seen a Wes Anderson film before, but uh, anyway. So there's that. There's uh, Noah by Darren Aronofsky. I think. Uh, regardless of how it how accurate it is, mm-hmm. um, which I hope it is accurate, I think it looks like it it'll be at least a good ride. Anyway, I it'll have, be epic uh, one way, either way. Right, and I did like Darren Aronofsky's last film, which was uh, Black Swan. Um, okay. I, I so anyway, I have The Edge of Tomorrow, uh, the Tom Cruise film, uh, Big Hero Six, which is the first animated Marvel movie coming out later this year. Uh, by Disney Animation. Um, wait, wait what is it? Big Hero Six. Okay, interesting. Um, here, let me see if I can find a brief synopsis just real quick. Um, set in a fictional metropolis called San Francisco, um, Big Hero Six will be centered on a young prodigy named Hiro Hamada and his self-created robot Baymax, both of whom uncover a criminal plot and must join a team of inexperienced crime fighters, including Wasabi, No Ginger, Honey Lemon. Gogo, Tamago, and Fred. So, I mean, it, it sounds weird, but yeah, it weird. is the first animated uh, Disney Marvel production. So, okay, interesting. And then the last film on my list I have is Godzilla because it just that that trailer that they've released looks pretty awesome. Yeah, and I'm not particularly, as I mentioned, interested in monster movies, but that trailer was very intriguing for sure. Yeah, and the so, fact that uh, they have people on the cast like Brian Cranston. Yes, um, that that's just. I hope that's a good sign. Yeah, what were some of the people in that cast? That was an interesting cast list, unless I'm thinking of the wrong movie. I'm, I'm pulling it up now. Um, Brian Cranston. Uh, what, what's Aaron the, Taylor Johnson. Yes. Um, what are, what's that guy? Um, maybe that is the guy. No, what's the guy that's also been in the Bourne series? Uh, David Strathairn. Yes, Strathairn. yes. Yeah, I, I, I knew it was one of these guys because <laughs> yes. I saw him in the trailer. I didn't know his name. So, yeah, kind of interesting and uh you know, hopeful that maybe they can do something that's not really just like your typical monster movie. So kind of like Pacific yeah. Rim, maybe. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit is right around the corner. I'm not. Hmm. 
The reason it's on my list as looking forward to it is because, in theory, I would love to see a good Jack Ryan movie, uh, but I just don't have a lot of hope for this one, so I'm kind of torn. You know, Chris Pine as Jack Ryan is a good idea in theory. I'm just not sure the execution is going to be uh, what I want. Um, yeah. So, you know, they're obviously going to involve Jack Ryan's wife, Kathy, a little bit more, played by Keira Knightley. Um, you know, she's never really been a big thing in the films uh, or in the stories, as far as I know. This is really – see, the problem with this film is it's not based on any book. It's really a, hey, here's the Jack Ryan character. Let's tell some sort of story about him, and let's right. change all the details about his past and, and that sort of thing. So I'm just not sure that I'm going to like this film because I have – you know, I'm a big fan of the Jack Ryan films, even though they've been all over the map, played by different actors. You know, you had um, Alec Baldwin playing him in uh, The Hunt for Red October, which is a great film. Uh, and then you, you know, you've got, uh, Harris, the Harrison Ford era, which those movies tended to be a little bit slow, but good. Nonetheless, uh, you had, uh, interestingly, you had, even though it was a different actor, uh, Harrison Ford versus uh, Alec Baldwin, you had, uh, James Earl Jones playing Admiral Greer in, in all those. Um, right. and then they did the sum of all fears with Ben Affleck, which, and Morgan Freeman, by the way, which was a really good film, really enjoyed that film. Um, so, so now they're coming back and this is like a clean reboot, uh, reimagining of Jack Ryan, if you will. So a little, uh, I'm a little apprehensive about this. So yeah, we'll see. And, and, and we're going to talk about it hopefully on the movie bite podcast is after it comes out. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, can't, let's, let's look, let me look at this list. See if there's anything I want to say anything else about, uh, edge of tomorrow. That's, you know, um, that's another Tom Cruise sci-fi, uh, film that just looks really good. I, I just, I want to see it for sure. Yeah, it's like, uh, the action version of groundhog day. Mm, yeah, maybe. Although there's, there's just, I mean, groundhog day wasn't about the whole repeating the day over and over again. So yes, it was, was it? Yeah. That's what groundhog day is. He relives groundhog day wait, over wait, and wait. over again. What movie am I thinking of? Oh no, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of the wrong movie. I haven't seen groundhog day. Um, groundhog day with Bill Murray. Yeah, no, sorry. Wrong movie. Uh, that's my bad. I was thinking of a different movie. <laughs> wrong, wrong title. Oh, the other one I just wanted to, to, to say, uh, you may laugh and you may scorn me for having night at the museum three on this list, but I really liked the first two. I oh, really, I'm with you there. I really liked them. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, that's my list of, of, you know, and there's going to be more films that are not on this list because we don't know about them yet. So, right. Well, uh, I have lots of films that I didn't mention. Um, of course you've got guardians of the galaxy coming this year. You've got, um, I'm just assuming that's going to be good because it's Marvel. Right. And then there's interstellar, the new Christopher Nolan film. I have not it's failed to capture my interest. Yeah. I mean, we've only got that weird teaser trailer so far, but that's just typical Christopher Nolan, uh, fashion. So hopefully that gets a little bit better. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I feel like maybe the, the, that he's peaked with Batman, but I don't know. I hope I'm wrong about that. But I just, I haven't been impressed. Eh. <laughs> eh. <laughs> eh. Uh, <laughs> um, we get the Into the Woods film uh, based on the Stephen Sondheim musical um, with Meryl Streep in it and Anna Kendrick and Johnny Depp and whole lots of other famous people are going to be in that film. But anyway, All right, I yeah. could mention more, but that, uh, that sums it up pretty much. Yeah, we should probably wrap it up. All right, well, uh, next week we're going to be talking about Saving Mr. Banks uh, because I really want to see that film, and I really hopefully will then want to talk about it. So I'm going to see it this weekend or maybe Monday. We'll have to see how the weekend goes. And, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it, and you're you're uh, telling me that I'm going to like it. So I'm, yes. I'm, I'm hopeful. Emma Thompson is the star. She's awesome. Emma you Thompson and Colin... Colin Farrell. 
Both oh, is Colin, Colin Farrell in it? Yeah, he plays yeah, her mother in flashbacks. Okay, I guess I knew that. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I was looking forward to the Tom Hanks thing, but uh, so good. Okay, uh, so we'll be talking about that next week. Uh, hopefully you all will have watched it so that you can follow along with us next week as we talk about it. All right, Chad, tell people where they can find your work on the internet and where they can stalk you. <laughs> um, I don't know about that stalking, but <laughs> anyway, my uh, my film, res- uh, film site is chadlikesmovies.com. You can find me at Facebook at facebook.com slash chad.hopkins and twitter.com at twitter.com slash chadadada, C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. Yes, I'm, re- I'm, I'm, I'm restraining myself this year. <laughs> I was about to mention that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then uh, you can find me, uh, all the work, the, all the writing that I do uh, whenever I have time to write is usually about movies at moviebyte.com. So uh, be sure to go there and check out all the stuff there. Um, you can follow me on Twitter for all my uh, witty remarks and sarcasm and all a bunch of other things at uh, TJ Draper Pro. And uh, be sure to uh, go to iTunes and give this podcast a rating. Uh, if you if you just caught this podcast on the website, you can subscribe to the podcast. Uh, that's over on the sidebar there, uh, and you can uh, you can catch it in iTunes or any other podcatcher, and always stay up to date when we release a new episode. Uh, so uh, that's that's pretty much it for us this week. Uh, thanks for listening uh, to our list of great films from 2013 and our upcoming films that we're looking forward to in 2014. It's going to be a great year. We're off to a good start, and uh, we're going to jump right back on the review train next week. So thanks for listening. Have a good week. We're out. Bye.